You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. All right, so um, thank you so much uh, for, for jumping up here with us, Paul. And, and yeah. as we're, if you give me a second to just kind of segue into our segment of the series here, um, this whole next couple of weeks, we're going to have a couple of people um, for the panel up here and just have some conversations rather than just, just, just preaching and, and teaching. And, and part of that's because of the summer. Some of, the, some of it's because I'm the only preacher and it gets a little bit boring. I mean, to be honest, you can be honest and nod your head about that um, just to listen to one person. But we're, we're, we're going after this. We're going after how to share the gospel with our life. And so Jesus says uh, in Matthew 5, when he gets done reading um, the greatest my favorite sermon, you know, like in the entire New Testament is like, you know, the Beatitudes. He turns around and says, that message is not just something that you have, it's something that you are. That message uh, is, is, is something not that you carry salt and light, but it's something that you are salt and light. Like some, somehow that message is going to so embody everything that you do uh, from your talking, yes, you're talking, but also you're walking, your ways, and then your works, those things that you go out on the limb on and, 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 and acquire risk and faith and those sorts of things. Like all of those things, the three-dimensional um, purview of your story is the message. You're a walking sermon of Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of what we've gone after. And so we took the first two weeks and we just broke down the language, words make worlds. We need to understand what the gospel means in, in linguistic terms. But Paul never stops there, Apostle Paul, in his writings, in the epistles, because he's so not just concerned with the theology of it, but the doxology or the practice of the gospel. And that's why he says things like, um, you're seated in heavenly places and you're, you know, this ambassador for Christ, even though you're in chains. And, you know, he'll say these big, lofty, sweeping things. You're like, OK, Paul, so what do you want me to do? Like, go get a weapon and go take over the world. And, and, and he's like, just remember your wife's birthday. Like, how about that? Like, just, like, like this, this is, this is, the, this is the, the arc of a lot of these gospel messages that hit the New Testament church early on is, is there is a revolution, there is a change that is coming through the kingdom, but is oftentimes through small, mundane, and practical ways the gospel, uh, you know, influences the world through our, through our ways. And so, if I could, uh, this is the kind of tagline, I think, that helps us um, navigate the second segment here of the um, uh, of, of, of this series, but I wrote this down. It is our normal everyday life where we do most of our believing and unbelieving in the gospel. So it's, so it's, t- it's Tuesday, right? And it's two o'clock and you're thinking to yourself, if I take a nap right now, would anybody notice? Like this is how, like this is, you know, Paul's writing about t- taking over the world and you know, the new creation has come and he's telling us that the kingdom is here and there's all this bold, vibrant change that's happening because Jesus is here. But yet you're at your office and you're like, if I eat another Twix bar, is it really counting against my diet or something silly like that? It is in these mundane moments that we do most of our believing and unbelieving in the gospel and therefore do most of our preaching for or against the gospel. And, and, and you might say like, that, 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 sounds so, that sounds so small, so insignificant and so... Um, not matching, I guess, in the candor and the temp- tempo of, of what the kingdom message is. But, but I think if, if we really sat and thought about it, though, like, it would be easy to just give a speech. It would be easier, almost, to just give away all of our money one time and then feel like our obligations were fulfilled. It would be easier to be loud and, and, and to um, be heroic and to be bold, but, but it would be harder, and it would preach a louder, bolder message if we were to, as Eugene Peterson says it, um, walk a faithful life of obedience in the same direction for years and years and years. And so this is where ways matters. 
in our normal everyday life, in our ways, when we're offended, when um, we're challenged and rebuked, when we don't have enough money, when we um, don't understand the scripture that we're reading in front of us, when we're listening to somebody, when we're talking over somebody, when we're with somebody that's different from us, that is where, um, where the gospel can and will be preached. Not just in the monumental places, but in the mundane places, in the ways of life, in the regular patterns and, and, and ethos of life. And so um, I, I want to get into our conversation this morning, but just as an overview, this week is, is singleness. Next week, I, I'm going to try and convince Kyra to come up here with me, uh, and we want to talk about marriage. I know there's one on race that we want to do, just in, in light of our current circumstances. What does the gospel have to say about race? And then lastly, what does gospel have to say about work and vocation? These are all common languages that I think people watch and listen and are, and, are, and are trying to hear the gospel song through our lives. And in the Monday, mundane Tuesdays at 2.30, when we're ready to take a nap, is the gospel being preached? And is it being believed in our heart? That's kind of what we're going after in this part of the series. Um, all right, Mr. Paul, your favorite and least favorite things about the COVID season thus far is what? Give me one on the positive and one on the negative. Um, I'd have to say for the positive, uh, it actually has slowed life down a lot. Uh, it's actually incredible how, as Americans, how busy we are. And COVID has quite literally made, for instance, the, the city that never sleeps, that city is sleeping. Like, it's, it's not a busy, New York is not busy. And so it's amazing how COVID has forced us to slow down and learn how to be slow and Sabbath and, and that mm. kind of thing. And honestly, that's been one of my favorite things. Uh, least favorite thing, honestly, I cannot stand masks. Yeah. <laughs> also, this is a four-year-old's mask. Why is this so small? I, I'm offended. Why, this, this is not safe enough. I need hey, to get fits. you. It fits. <laughs> Did you get that at Carter's? Because I'm going to take you to Old Navy. And no, actually, uh, it was made by our own uh, Mrs. Clock. <gasps> Fantastic. Yeah, Clock's mom. This is like, this, this is, I'm, but I need you to get it a little bit bigger next time. Is that okay? Because I feel like I your can, smile is like. Yeah, yeah I, can make, I can make a request. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think I've seen different people like get designs and get different things written on it. And I'm waiting to do that. I'm ready to jump in there. Because for a while, I was, I was anti-mask. I'll be honest. I was not wearing the mask Same. as much as I probably could and should. Uh, but I finally bought in once I went to Old Navy. And now I'm ready to get something like a, sh a master shredder mask. Like I need to ask, face. why Old Navy? What about Old Navy convince you? Well, it's the cheapest. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah the cheapest. That, that's where I'm going for. Um, <clears throat> so so I, I do need to make a couple disclaimers. And we're going to jump right in. I, I invited Paul to share his story. And, and partly, I'll just be blunt. Like, I don't want to be the married guy um, that gets up here to talk about the gospel um, relevant to something that I haven't experienced for the last 15 years. Uh, I just didn't feel like I had as much authority to do so. And so I was so thankful um, for Paul to be here just because I admire you and I think that you're a great guy. But then two, I know that we were having a conversation during one of our moving times back from the old office to the new one and you were just sharing specifically how God highlighted that in your life. And I, I don't wanna hear about that. But um, just a couple of, of, of disclaimers on this uh, whole time here that we're talking, but number one, uh, I just want to say this, married people don't fall asleep because married people, you either are around or probably raising somebody that's single, uh, and so this is highly, highly significant, and so as brothers and sisters in Christ, like, we're trying to understand, uh, as Paul is going to talk about, the gift of singleness and the gift of marriage, and how to understand how those gifts help us get to the goal, which is to be with and like and for Jesus Christ. That's number one. Uh, number two, uh, single people uh, that are in the room and those that are online are experiencing all different kinds of singleness. There are single people that want to be married, single people that don't want to be married. And then underneath that, there's two different uh, uh, expressions of that, of, of people that are ready and not ready and know that they're ready or know that they're not ready or whatever. So there's different categories there. And then there's also people that are divorced, people that are widowed. And, and that often, you know, this passage in 1 Corinthians 7 will hit all of those different people 
different ways. And so I guess in the overarching span of things as we're talking for 20 more minutes, you know, that there would be grace in the room that the Spirit would speak directly to you um, exactly where you're at. Uh, and just kind of uh, opening up the challenge sometimes of communicating to a plurality of different places. Um, and number three, number three, and this is important. I want to say this <clears throat> from the City Lights perspective. Um, I'm 36. Uh, me and Kyra have been high school sweethearts for a long, or we're high school sweethearts and married for 15 years. And so in many ways, much like I said earlier, Paul is up here to speak to a life experience that I, I don't have. And, and in preparing for this message in this time, you know, it's convicting on me. It's impossible for people to preach without their personality. And I, it kind of dawned on me, um, and I've actually even heard people kind of, you know, share this in, in subtler ways, you know, that um, in a church where, you know, primarily the person that's talking is married with four kids and loves their family, uh, that sometimes without knowing or maybe being, you know, uh, blinded, blind a little bit on it, can preach through their personality and maybe make more of marriage than I should. And if I've ever done that before, uh, first, I just have two things, please, or yeah, please and thank you, which is please forgive me, and thank you for leaning in to listen and apply it to your own personal life, because I know that sometimes my stories don't have a ton of relevance to you, and I'm sorry, I, I, I try and share um, just personal stories, but sometimes, again, there, there's a gap and, and, and um, uh, a divide there. And so one is thank you uh, for your for your empathy in that or, or you're leaning in on some of those messages. And two, let me just say this, and then we're moving on to Paul, and I'd love to hear, I just want to hear just kind of your story and, and share to open us up. But um, two, when we say family, neighbors, and nations, we're talking about Matthew 28 family, which is spiritual moms and dads. We're talking about spiritual brothers and sisters. We're not talking about the goal of life is to go have kids in a minivan. Uh, if I've ever given off that impression when I say we are, you know, followers of Jesus devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to nations, what I'm not telling you is you can't start honoring the Great Commission once you start, like, by having, you can't start doing that until you have kids, okay? So I just want to make that abundantly clear that we're all having to do this as a church continually is redefining what family means and redefining what marriage means uh, inside of that. Um, but when we say family, we are talking about spiritual mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, uh, Matthew 28, making disciples. When Jesus stood on, that, on the mountain of, of, <clears throat> of Galilee and he said to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of nations, he was saying be fruitful and multiply, but not in the sense of of bloodline and genetics. He's talking about spiritual, spiritual fruitfulness. He's saying, be fruitful. Uh, I will be with you until the ends, of the, <clears throat> ends of the earth, and I want you to multiply by multiplying disciples. And so when we talk about family, we're not talking about um, home improvement, okay? Tim Allen. All right, uh, that's enough for me. Thank you so much for, for giving me a little bit of a segue there. But, but let's talk a little bit just about the gospel and singleness and the way that I teed up the question just to get us going this morning, and we'll just wrap from here on out is like how, how does that, you know, I, that theology, that doctrine, that good news of Jesus, that he's redeeming all things through himself, through us repenting and believing in all of him, that he came for us, that he lived for us, that he died for us, that he rose for us, he ascended for us, he sent his spirit, and he's coming back for us. That message, how does that um, influence um, the way that the body of Christ does singleness? Um, and and how, how does that kind of come to bear in your story, in my story, yeah, yeah. yeah. So let me kind of just start off by saying, um, if I haven't met you, my name is Paul Garrigan. Uh, I'm a, one of the deacons here at City Lights, and uh, as a as a profession, uh, I actually teach math. So I actually stand up in front of people and talk all the time. It's normally about numbers. So if you want to learn about integrals or derivatives, I got you all day long. Um, if you don't, I'm sorry. I will try not to include those in this in this message. Um, so yeah, I would say uh, for me. Uh, Oliver and I were talking a few weeks ago, just a normal conversation, and um, it actually 
uh, we started talking about a season of my life back a couple of years ago, back in 2018, where I was actually struggling with some depression. Um, one, of the, one of the biggest fears of my life and one of the, one of the um, struggles that I've continuously had to, had to work through is actually a, a fear of loneliness, um, fear of being alone, being in, in a crowd of people and, and knowing everyone but just still feeling like I'm alone. That's, that's one of my biggest fears. Um, so back in t- 2018, uh, I was getting ready. I was, I was getting ready to turn 30. Um, in my mind, I was, um, honestly, I, in my mind, I should have been married, should have had several kids by that point. I was just honestly not looking forward to turning 30 because that was a big milestone in my life, and I was failing at, at what I, where I thought I should be in my life. Um, so, yeah, so kind of during that time, honestly, the, the depression for me set in somewhere around September, and um, I just started hearing things like, I'm the shameful one in my family. Um, at the time, I was the only one who wasn't dating anyone or married or whatever. Um, I, I felt like I was... Um, just something was wrong with me, like I was awkward, well, that's kind of true, but whatever, um, we'll embrace that. Um, I, 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 like, I don't know if you've ever had uh, a struggle with depression before, but it's one of those things where it, it weighs on your shoulders, like as if you're, you're y'all know the statue of Atlas where he's holding the, holding the world, well, um, that's what depression feels like. It's, it feels like you're doing that all the time and you can't get rid of it, it just kind of sticks on you like a barnacle, it just does not go away. Uh, and so that's how I felt. There were times where I could like pull myself out of it, but uh, honestly, it was there most days out of the week. Uh, and most days from, gosh, it was uh, September through, I think, mid-December or so um, that it was really hitting me hard. And um, what I found is a lot of it actually was rooted in, in my identity as a single person. So I'll, kinda, I'll come back to that in a little bit. Um, but what I found in that, in that season is... Um, there were three things that really walked me through or helped me through that, that time. Uh, one, I was leading a, a small group at the time, and uh, so community. I, I can't tell you how many times where, um, especially, especially the guys in that small group, just, I mean, they, they would hang out. Whether they knew it or not, they would hang out and just kind of lift me up just enough to where I, I, was, I was okay for, for a little while. Um, the second thing, and, and honestly, really the second and third thing are tied together, um, but the second thing and the third thing are prayer and the scriptures. Um, it was during that time that, uh, in an unrelated thing, I had actually dedicated an hour every morning or every Sunday morning to the Lord um, just to pray and to read scripture. And um, I might get a little teary-eyed on this one. Also, side note, I think every time I've been on the stage, I've cried, so <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. I'll give my man card after service. Um, so I, I remember coming in, uh, one service and to city lights and I was there for my, my kind of hourly or my, my one hour session with the Lord. And it just, I was feeling ashamed. I was feel I was weeping again <laughs> at the time. I'm just frustrated with the Lord. Like, Lord, why am I struggling with th- this depression? Why am I single? Why, why am I at this place? And the scripture that, that I read that day, which is crazy. Hold on one second. Isaiah 25, 8. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace, his people's shame from all of the earth. The Lord has spoken. If you don't believe that the Lord will hear you, there's your proof right there. The Lord hears when you pray, when you cry out to him, when you're broken. The Lord hears you. He really does. His name is Emmanuel the Lord with us. And he was Emmanuel in that season. He was so with me. There was, it, 
that wasn't an isolated event, that, that time where the Lord brought that scripture to mind. It was almost every week, almost every Sunday that I prayed to the Lord and dedicated that hour to him, that I saw the Lord move through the scriptures. He is so Emmanuel. He's so with us. And he's so powerful. So, um, trying to move away from the tears. The, the message that I want to bring to you today is actually one of priorities. Uh, in, in, in that season of my life, in that time in my life, my priority was to avoid the, 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 the aloneness, avoid that, that, that just kind of feeling alone. And so easy fix is marriage, is, is to get rid of my singleness. And uh, that was my number one priority in that season, just to, to avoid all of that. Um, and, and I'll have to be honest, when you, when you place something or someone above the Lord, as I was doing marriage in that time, it's going to fail you at some point. I was single. I was failing at filling that, or to answering to that idol. I was failing miserably. Um, but the Lord is so faithful. He is so, so faithful. Um, yeah, just that season for me had been, had been full of sadness. Um, but when your priorities are straight, when, when, when the Lord takes number one in your life, not, not the marriage, not the thing that kind of will help you avoid that fear, but when the Lord takes number one in your life, John 10.10 10 says he has given us life and life to the fullest, and that is 100% true. Um, was there a particular moment when you talked about priority? Um, that was a word that popped out to me both this morning and when we spoke earlier. Um, so, so through this Isaiah verse, um, we're just hearing you talk about really not just words on a page, the logos, but the sort of rhema uh, present, present moment. moment word that he's speaking to you as you sought him. And it did seem like there was a seeking. So the story seemed like there was, I don't know if, if you wanted to fill in some of those gaps of how that came to bear. And if there was just that one moment, like you said, in that hour-long prayer time, or if you felt like it was a succession of, you know, a couple of things that happened that allowed for the Lord to get you to that place. Um, I just wanted to hear more of you, you yeah. talking about how that came to be such a, really, I'd call a repentance moment. And that's why yeah. we think repentance is this, like, I'm in trouble, you know. No, it's, this, it's this let go and live moment, you know, and finally find, I just feel the, you know, the, the freedom as you talked about that story. Yeah. But maybe just even slow motion the thing down a little bit and talk about, you know, how did you feel like the conversation went as you got to that place? Yeah, most of the time when I would pray and, and spend that time with the Lord, most of the time, I would start by, God, I don't want to do this, if I'm being honest. And it was probably 10 minutes of, God, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to pray. Even though I've done this every week for however many weeks, I still don't know how to pray. Um, and it was amazing how just as you talk real to the Lord, as you, as you have an open and honest conversation with the Lord, not as you give him platitudes, platitudes don't, don't, do, don't mean anything, but as you, as you have a real conversation with the Lord, Lord, this is where I'm struggling, or this is what I'm struggling with. And as you read the scriptures and really actually seek the Lord, it's amazing how he actually answers. So that particular day, um, it was very much along the same lines, like, Lord, I don't know how to pray. I don't, I just, I'm not happy right now. And that's it. And, and after 15, 20, 25, I don't remember how long it was. Um, but after, after however long, I started just reading the scriptures. And one of the coolest things about the scriptures is you can actually take them and turn them into a prayer. So read Psalm, I mean, Psalm 23, for instance, the Lord is my shepherd. Like, and just start praying that, Lord, thank you for being my shepherd. Thank you that uh, the next part says, I have everything that I want or I have everything that I need. Thank you that I have everything that I need. 
Um, and it's amazing how he, he will take that prayer and he actually will sp- kind of send his spirit to kind of guide and correct and, and to, to um, kind of move in a direction that he wants to go. When, when you're willing to kind of see him in his word and when you're willing to be honest with him and real, he just wants the real you. He doesn't want, he doesn't want the fake you. He wants the real you. And that's, that's pretty much how I had to do those hours every single time. Hmm. And it's amazing how, um, it, it, I mean, it's a muscle. It, it takes time to, to do that. Hmm. Uh, and so the first time around, it, I mean, you pray for five minutes, and then you have 55 minutes of nothing. Mm-hmm. And after several months of doing that, you pray for an hour and a half, and you're like, I need more time. And it just, it's one of those things where it really is a muscle that um, you just you have to learn to work out mm-hmm. and strengthen. Um, the passage we picked today uh, in the NIV is 1 Corinthians 7. Um, Paul making some pretty remarkable and stop-in-your-tracks type of comments about marriage, when he gets done talking about marriage, um, singleness, um, uh, even lots of other topics as he goes on, but particularly in sexuality, like there's some, some gut check moments there of like, do I really believe the same gospel Paul does? And do I, Paul the apostle does, well, hopefully, you know, Garrigan as well. Um, But do I, am, am I speaking and listening for the same gospel as Paul is talking about in this passage? And do I know and follow the same kind of Jesus that, that Paul's talking about. He has some very countercultural, salty words for us in 1 Corinthians 7. Um, I picked a few verses because it's a longer one, and I'll summarize a few others. But starting in verse 6, he says, Now, as a concession, not as a command, I say this. And there is a lot of this in this chapter of I, not the Lord, that Paul says. He does that sometimes, uh, of speaking just in wisdom um, from his experience as an apostle. But he's speaking under that context, saying in verse 6, It's a concession, not a command, that I say this, that I wish all were as I am. By that, in the run of the context of the phrase, he's saying, I wish all had the spirit or the gift of singleness. I wish that, he's saying, I wish that everybody in the church was, was at least asking themselves before they're married, hey, do you want me to not be married? Um, because he, he, he says um, that, ma- that singleness is, is, like marriage, a gift from God. Um, a lot of times I hear people say, like, if singleness is a gift, I hope there's a receipt for it or something like that. And none of that, it, yeah, and, and I know that, is that, is that a cheesy Christian thing that I should have said? <clears throat> and so, but, but quite blatantly, I say that in jest, uh, tongue-in-cheek, but, but quite realistically and, 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 you know, authoritatively, Paul is saying, if, if that's the way that we look at it, we might not be looking at the same gospel lens as Paul the Apostle is talking about here. He says it's, it's a concession like marriage is, is a concession to Paul. This is so backwards to me because typically I think in, in, in culture, in American culture, in human culture, and then even in church culture, that typically we see, we see marriage as, as the command and singleness as the concession. Like, like singleness is what we're doing before we get married or singleness is what we do when we don't have options to be married, but, but marriage is not the concession. Singleness is the concession. Singleness is second, second choice. Singleness is inferior to the superior idea. He's saying the exact opposite, that when we're looking at the life through the gospel somehow, and we're going to read through the passage of how his framework works, like what his, his basis of, of reality is, he's saying if we're looking at the gospel the right way and looking at our world the right way and ourselves, that actually we're going to see things so flipped upside down that singleness becomes the ideal, and marriage becomes the concession. This is so backwards. Uh, and so he, he talks about 
in some of the passages leading up to verse 29, which is where I'll pick it back up. You can kind of scan it in the text there. Um, that marriage is the concession for passion. Like if you are burning with passion, then you should get married. Uh, that marriage, if you're married to somebody that's a non-believer, you should stay uh, married to that person even though they're not unequally yoked. That means that they're not following Jesus with you. You should stay married because marriage is first and foremost a ministry. Um, uh, to sometimes unbelieving spouses. And then he goes on and talks about, um, but if you're not married, maybe you should consider not getting married because being unmarried is actually a greater opportunity for ministry. And all four or five of these application points were like, Paul, your sort of lens for looking at life seems to be different from mine. Even as a married person, I'm like, what do I not, <clears throat> what, what do I not understand? And why is the gospel so different to you sometimes than the way that I look at it? Verse 29, it says, what I mean, brothers and sisters, so he clarifies uh, his basis for his... Um, uh, his, his understanding of marriage, he says, I want you to understand uh, that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as though they do not, and those who mourn as if they did not, and those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if, they were, if, as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form, is passing away. And so that time is short. I mean, that's not just like, you know, in the next 40 years, I'm going to predict, you know, the, the second coming of Jesus. Like, we're talking about in the overarching scheme of eternity, the, the old creation is short in relation to the eternity of the new creation. The old ways of the world are wasting away. It says in earlier passages, the earth and the heavens are wasting away in its present form. But even now, even now, the new creation is coming. And so he's, he's looking at his Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday through the lens of the gospel, which has chronological implication to it. We are in the already not yet. We have his spirit inside of us. He has already ascended and finished his work, and he's coming back for us. And we're not married in heaven. And so he's going, add all of that up and then make your decision. Add all of that up in the gospel and then make your decision. If you're not married, add it up make the, and then make your decisions from there. If you're married, think about the gospel and think about the now and the coming age and make your decision in light of that. That is what the gospel would be telling us. So verse 32, he says, Further, I would like for you to be free, to con- free from concern. Um, an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned with the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife. Verse 34, and his interests are divided. This is why a married person would be the concession, because our interests are divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord, both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned with the affairs of the world. How can she please her husband? Verse 35, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in the right way, an undivided uh, devotion to the Lord. All right, Paul, so as we were just reading there, those, those red letters, and we've been looking at this passage, what, what seems to strike you the most personally, just from your own personal walk and your story, the most, what sticks out to you, maybe what's the most convicting to you? Yeah, um, honestly, the thing that sticks out to me is, is the first half of verse 29. Uh, in, in verse 29, it says, uh, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. Our time on earth, let's just say you live 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, in light of, if you compare a, a finite amount of time, I'm going to use some, some math on you, some calculus. Uh, if, if you have a finite amount, of, I'm kidding, I'm not going to do calculus. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> um, but if you have a finite amount of time compared to an infinite amount of time, that finite amount of time is just a blip. And, and that's, that's what that scripture is talking about. Like, our time on earth is a blip. It's nothing. It's short. Uh, and, and so that's, that's kind of the thing that really sticks out to me. Like, um, our priority, we don't have... 
there's, there's almost a sense of urgency. We don't have the option not to have Jesus be number one in our lives. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that applies whether you're single, married, uh, bankrupt, you own three houses. It doesn't really matter. Our time is short. Yeah. I think my reflections um, on the passage in this last week, I, I remember um, me and Kyra, uh, we were married in 2005. Um, we went to Marco Island, Florida uh, for our honeymoon. We had a, a, a really nice aunt and uncle that were able to give, a, give us the week there. Um, and I, remem- I remember one of, the, <laughs> one of the first mornings, I figured out pretty quickly that Kyra is what you call a morning person, and I'm what you call an evening person. Um, uh, day two of our marriage, she woke me up at six. This is Saturday. She goes, are you ready to go fishing? And I was like, nope. I'm not going, I'm not ready to go fishing. She's like, I've been out for an hour already, I'm fishing, and I'm excited about it. We were learning a lot. We were learning a lot about each other, about ourselves, about just life in general. And, uh, and believe it or not, and I kind of kicked myself for, for doing this, but uh, I'll bring it up since it seems to serve the, the sermon point here. Um, we actually went home from the honeymoon like two or three days early. I remember we were supposed to be there for seven days, and it was like on day five, we were like, uh, I don't even know how to vacation yet. I don't even have really a job yet, so how do I go on vacation from the job that uh, I don't yet have? Um, and I just remember feeling like uh, me and Kyra loved staring at each other for the first four days, but then by the fifth or sixth day, we were ready to get out of there and just get to normal life. I mean, that's what we dreamed about. That's what we always wanted is to, you know, raise kids together or, uh, you know, do church together or do ministry together, or do life together. And by day five, we were ready to move on. And so we skipped, we, fore, we foregone, forewent, or whatever, the last two days uh, of the honeymoon. And I think that does speak. It speaks to the passage. I think it speaks to Genesis 1. We were created, you know, like in his image um, to work and to keep the garden. And, uh, and, and Adam, um, before he had Eve, before he was married in Genesis 2, like had a calling, had a position. And the intent of that calling was to work and to keep the garden. All too often, I think that, you know, couples, including me and Kyra, get married to, like, work and keep each other and be each other's Holy Spirit. (laughs) And so we just stare at each other and just pick at the little things that are in our spouse, trying to get them to be something that they were never created to be, to fulfill something that they were never supposed to fulfill. And all the while, um, what was supposed to be fulfilling us was something that was not in the marriage, but the marriage was supposed to be part of a larger thing that would be the full fulfillment, which is to be with Jesus and to be like Jesus and to be for Jesus with all of our lives, whether single or divorced, or married, or anything in between. It is always time, it is always time to find purpose, to find centrality, to find, to find focus on that commission, to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to be for Jesus. And, and when it is, I think, that we go get spouses, or want to get spouses to replace that desire and that need, that is when, as you said earlier, the marriage becomes the idol, and the marriage takes higher precedence and emphasis, and therefore becomes a curse, not only for the single person, but for the married person as well. Here's how I kind of tied it all together with this phrase. I think that Paul, like as we were talking about, and I reflected as a married person, you were reflecting as a single person, this is what it came down to for me. It says when Jesus is the goal, when Jesus is the purpose, when doing life the way that the garden was always intended, with Jesus, for Jesus, and like Jesus, when Jesus becomes the goal, then everything becomes a gift. Right, So we, we live in an Instagram hashtag goals culture where somebody posts a picture of their family with a bunch of kids, and they're like, hashtag goals, and that, that becomes the goal. And that's not far from the reality of what we actually think. We think that's the goal. And we get into marriage thinking that's the goal, and we look forward to marriage thinking that's the goal until you get married and stare at each other for too long and for five days in Marco Island, you're like, this is boring. I need a bigger goal than you. You know, because you will not meet the goal because the goal is not the marriage. The marriage is a gift to get to the goal, and the singleness is a gift to get to the goal. And so... I don't get excited about my minivan. I'm getting excited about Disney World. We did get a minivan, by the way, and we're so excited to be finally completely 110% suburban now. Um, 
But the minivan is not the goal. And neither is the marriage and neither is singleness. And so when, when marriage and singleness take, take subservience to Jesus, the main point, then they become gifts. But when marriage is the goal, then both marriage and singleness become curses. And that's how I suppose everything would be, um, whether it be you know, money or, 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 or time or any other kind of relationship, prestige, like when, when those things that were made to be good become better than the creator for us, we blind ourselves and we ruin ourselves with our idols and not the least of these are marriage and family. And I think we could do it even worse so in the world in church where, uh, where I think we can misappropriate, you know, what, what the gospel would mean in those, in those areas. And so I, I do think if there's anything, if there's anything advantage to a married person, um, and not to say that there really is, because I think both of those um, places are gifts that the Lord gives us and windows and opportunities to fill purpose. It is just being able to experience. Here's, here's just two things, and I know that those that are single in the room, this is the hard part because it's just believing by way of somebody's advice or whatever or personal experience. But number one, when we get married, we do not leave sexual temptation at the altar, right? So, so that's, that's one of the big things, particularly, I guess, in the male domain is like once I get married, then my challenge and struggle and desire, that, that place will be filled by my wife. And it's amazing how untrue that statement can be if Jesus is not first in the marriage. It's just amazing. And so, so what's worse than being single and struggling with lust is being married and struggling with lust. Because now you're married and so you have, you have, you have the, the, the struggle and the problems of singleness. And now you have the burdens and the problems of marriedness as well. So now you just doubled up on that, right? The second one is that it is very possible and actually quite probable that we can be married and lonely at the same time. And so marriage does not solve, ultimately, the, the problem of intimacy, uh, the problem of loneliness. And so if there is one advantage, it is the, it is the experience of, of what marriage cannot do and cannot be, you know, in, in, in our human experience here, here on this earth. Um, and so, yes, that's, that, that's, I think, kind of the take-home, and I want to go back to you with some application points here. But when Jesus is the goal, marriage and singleness are gifts. But when marriage is the goal, marriage and singleness can become um, curses. I want to share, after Paul shares, four things that I thought of um, this week that, um, that, a, that a married person can't do. Four things that a married person can't do, um, which I think expresses, because um, we're talking about singleness today, the gift of singleness. It, it is understanding what it is, what it's not, its strengths, its limitations. Um, but in speaking from a married perspective, I think sometimes the contrast of, of marriedness can give light and shed light to the gift of singleness. So I want to I want to talk about that. But um, uh, we just wrapped a little bit in the office this week. From from your reflections this week, what what do you feel like Paul means when he says singleness is a gift? If if the gift is to get to Jesus, and and the gift is not the goal, the gift is the vehicle to get to the goal. Um, how have you seen uh, singleness be a be a gift um, in that way? <clears throat> yeah. So. Um... First off, I, I think one of the things that I didn't originally realize is the abundance of time that I have, um, especially even more so being a teacher, because I have summer break, and uh, essentially it's like a two-month-long vacation. Um, harder than it sounds, I promise. <laughs> um, but no, so an abundance of time, uh, an abundance of sleep. Like I don't have to worry about children. I don't have to wake up at 6 a.m., 
to, to screaming children or, or go to bed or put them to bed at, at 8 or 9 or 10 or wake up in the middle of the night because they're crying or whatever. I don't have to worry about that. Um, and kind of along those lines is uh, energy. Because of that, if I'm tired, I can go take a nap whenever I want. And then That one got me triggered. <laughs> when he said that, I was like, don't you ever say that in my presence again. <laughs> I told him, I was like, I was like, if you're a cell phone battery, what's your percentage on oh, a given yeah. day? I was like, mine's so at a good funny. 39. It's 8 a.m. and I'm 39%. I'm on yellow. It's you not also good. had two cups of coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're, you were like, I'm solid 100 by, yeah. by noon. I was like, don't you ever say that. Yeah, I'm also a, I'm also a morning person, so that's Woo! just how I roll. <laughs> um, a couple other things, just like there's spontaneity. Uh, like if I really yeah. wanted to. Uh, I could go to Wednesday, I could leave for Colorado and go have fun for two weeks if I really want to. Um, uh, and then really, truly, uh, two other things. Uh, finances, m my money is not divided. My money is going in ways that I decide. And it's not kind of split to children or to date night or to whatever. It, it really is my own money and I can use it. Uh, in, in ways that blesses the kingdom. Like if I wanted to give it away to five or six different ministry organizations, I really can. Uh, and then the last thing is um, in heaven, uh, Jesus actually said that he would take away, or that, that marriage would not happen, um, that marriage would not be a thing, but that essentially we would all be like the angels in heaven and, and that we would be single. Uh, and so really a lot of, in, in many ways, this is me practicing for heaven as well. The, what, what I'm going to spend the majority of eternity doing, or of life, including eternity, doing is being single, worshiping the Lord, and, and kind of doing his will. I'm just practicing right now. So that's, that's all I'm doing. Mm. So a couple of struggles that, um, that I know I've also experienced as a, as a single person. Um, I've mentioned them. It's, it's, it's just being lonely. Um, that's, that's been one of the big ones for me. Um, and then also, it, a second one that I haven't mentioned yet is it's easy to be selfish. Selfish with my time, with my uh, treasure, with my talents, whatever. Uh, it's, it's really easy to be selfish. If I really wanted to, tomorrow I could wake up at 6 a.m. because that's what I do. And I could uh, play video games until 6 p.m. Or 6 a.m. the next day. It doesn't really mm -hmm. matter. And, and that's not good. That's not, that's, that's, it's easy as a single person to do that. Um, so I would not recommend doing that, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to share my, my four points, and that'll kind of be uh, it for, for the discussion this morning. But, um, you know, one thing I did think of, even as we're up here, like, I think one of the sabotages, you know, and the, the distortions of the thing is, is like, to stand up as a single person desiring uh, marriage, like, that's, that's a very common thing and a very, like, socially uh, promoted thing in and outside of the church to be a married person struggling on that side of the fence with wondering if they should have been single or if they're regretting being married, that's not as vocalized. And I think that sometimes tips the scale a bit in the way that we perceive marriage and put that in cultural context is, um, I don't know if all the time the message of some of the loneliness of marriage and the struggles of marriage make its way across. Um, yeah. And sometimes I think create a distorted, disproportionate view of marriage, which speaks to the idea of it being overglorified. Mm. Uh, sometimes um, we need to do a good job of promoting marriage. And, and it says in the scriptures, you know, he who finds a wife, you know, finds a good thing. And there's lots of passages there. But, but it's, it, it's, it's a perspective and it's a, um, it's a priority level. You know, in for most many ways, the grass is greener on the other side. Mm. The saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I would completely agree. I know that when we were talking, there was such a similarity, like even in the, that passage and other passages of like, I think the Lord uses those different vehicles, whether it's a minivan or a pickup truck, you know, to get you to his feet. 
and he's going to use the kids or he's going to use, this. it's like either way, he's going to use all things and all, all, all measures and stop nothing short of trying to draw all men to himself, that we would come and repent and believe in all of him. And so whether it's little Oliver um, just hitting me in the face so hard with his foot every single night in my neck, um, or, you know, where you're at, I'm not sure, but, but it's like the grace is needed for the gift, man. Like I need the grace for the gift, and the gift is not the point. The gift is to get me there to the goal, and that we wouldn't be looking to the left or the right, but you follow me, and you follow me exactly where my grace is leading you to my feet. Um, but four things. Here's four things, and this, I think, speaks to marriages, too. So it speaks to a single person maybe to encourage them of, like, what does the gift of singleness, what could it mean um, as a non-example in marriage, you know, to juxtapose that. And then, two, for those married, maybe considering, like, I think we do have to be aware of our liabilities and some of the things we have to fight uphill against sometimes as married people. But four things that I, I think that married people will struggle to do, and therefore four things that I think that single people can engage in thoroughly um, in, in a single season. Number one, uh, and this is very, very true in, in my life, and I would venture to say if we had a poll in many people's lives, particularly men, is community. And so, so if you think about your dad or you think about your brother who's married or you think about anybody that's married for a long period of time and you ask them, who are the people that are really in their life in terms of community, especially same-gender community, it is, it is startlingly sad how small that circle gets because you're exhausted all the time. Like, Phil's got a baby. Tom's got a baby. It's like, we're going to go, we can't go fishing. You got to schedule it. It gets canceled because, you know, the wife's having morning sickness. Like, it just doesn't happen. And so it's sad to say, but most of my deep community was found when I was single. Most of the people that, that know the most about me and most of the people that I share the most about me, they were built before the marriage happened. And so that would be a question, like if I'm a single person wanting to get married and I'm heading towards marriage, what am I doing to invest in the community around me? Because the reality is you're probably not going to increase in community, you're going to decrease. And are there relationships that you're investing in now? Are you learning to invest in those relationships? Because as marriage goes on, isolation goes on as well, probably for both genders. You're just, you're just entrenched with needs and kids and bills and, and, and schedules. And, and me and Kyra have to have an hour-long meeting with an iCal to figure out what the heck is going on every single week. And that's not how community gets built. Community needs fluidity. It needs openness. It needs spontaneity, as you spoke about. And, and so it, it, we're talking about silliness in video games to some degree. But to some degree, we're talking about very serious things like we are investing in our marriage before it starts by investing in community. Number two, Bible. Okay, So I think about Bible as two things. Bible is a checking account and a spending account. And I read the Bible every day for 10 minutes in the morning, every day. And it's, it's, it's the most significant thing. It's obviously not the most quantitatively thing in, in, in my life, but 10 minutes for my personal devotion. I'm a pastor, and I read a lot for just work, but I've realized I need to do devotion apart from just study. It has to be personal. It has to be my heart. I got 10 minutes tops before my kids start asking for Cheerios or spill something. You know, So I've got 10 minutes. And there's simply things you cannot get with sips rather than gulps. You cannot build the, the, the you cannot build the bank account. You cannot build the savings account with 10 minutes. You cannot do deep studies and deep theology. Understand. You can't build your belief system. You can't understand the scripture that you may, if you go get married later or just in single life, lead a ministry on um, 10 minute a day devotions. You need time to study the scriptures thoroughly. And singleness, I believe, for all of us, if we were to get married later or even if we don't, is a time where we have time to build the bank account. We have to build a history with God in the word. Because those 10-minute devotions, they come alive based on the foundation of the savings account that we have. Are you building the savings account in singleness? Number number two. Number three. Number three. And this, this, this kind of hits my heart sometimes because I, I feel like this, out of all of them, I, I took advantage of the least. Um, and number three, I wrote the word calling, okay? So by calling, I mean 
Oliver's number one job description is to be a good Oliver and not to try and be a copycat of something else. And between um, the beginning steps of our life, you know, outside of you know, high school or whatever, towards our calling, that between then and calling is a lot of, like there needs to be a lot of boredom and experimentation and creativity. There needs to be a lot of white space is what TED Talks, I guess, call them. There needs to be time that you have no obligations. And when you get in the marriage time, that, that, that time is gone. You do not have time or margin or, or opportunity to try something, to fail at something, to succeed at something, to do something different. You have to, like, and I say perform, I mean you have to execute things because within every 10 minutes you are obligated to something or someone. And so necessarily if you're a writer, a dancer, poet, or you do anything, you know that you need time that is not obligated to find calling. You need time to fail, you need time to risk. And so if you're single, Enjoy that time and use it well and wisely. If you're married, block the time out and try and find discipline to try and do that because if you have no time for white space and no time for creativity, you, you, will, be, you will have to copy. You'll have to, you will not be able to innovate. And, and, and much of calling, I believe, in growing and anointing and so forth has to do with white space. So in, embrace that time. Lastly, fourth, and I think it speaks right off the page, is miss, mission. So, so I'm the minivan, right? And Paul's the pickup truck. And the minivan has to stay on the road. The minivan is built for safety. The minivan can go to Disney World, and that's about it, okay? The minivan in my life is not geared towards poverty, towards slums. I mean, like, like I, can, I can talk about going uphill, and, and I certainly can. I'm not telling myself I have an excuse for not engaging in mission wherever God would call me. But the question of wisdom for my kids makes it so that the farthest and deepest and darkest places of the earth, um, it's going to take me longer to get out there than the pickup truck. It just is. My car is not built for that. I have to recognize my gift. I have to recognize my station. I'm here to be a nurturer. I'm here to care for kids in youth group. I'm here to basically operate within the rails of society where my kids are safe. But if there's a 1040 window out there of people that are not going to be reached by the gospel because they're in dark places where there is danger and where there is, um, where there is um, harm that could fall on a three-year-old, four-year-old, turning four-year-old boy that's under my care, that 1040 window is probably not going to get driven to by a minivan. Probably needs a pickup truck. And so that's mission. Like the church is like, like the mission is going to visit the church and say, who's going to go and who's going to reach these places? And necessarily, if you think about the statistics, that probably has to happen in a single season. It probably cannot happen in a married season. And so what does it mean to be a single person recognizing that mantle? Like I'm not single because I'm waiting in the JV leagues to get graduated. Like what is God doing now? And, what, and how is my vehicle different? Not bad or worse or whatever, but how is my vehicle different so I can lean into the season that I'm in to be with Jesus, to be for Jesus, and to be like Jesus? Paul, do you have any closing thoughts before we uh, close in prayer? Yeah, kind of. So I like to tell stories. That's actually a lot of times what I do to fill the time when I'm talking to my students, um, when I don't want to do math. Um, when they're seriously. falling asleep. So this no, one seriously. time I found a million dollars. No, I'm invite so Timothy true. up to the stage here too as we transition. Go ahead. Um, so uh, when I was going through that season, that 2018 kind of season of depression, um, one of the coolest things that the Lord did was actually have me tear my ACL. Uh, and through that ACL tear, through the surgery that, that I had to have after that um, to reconstruct it, um, one of the things that I had to learn was thankfulness. And I will say thankfulness is the thing that brought me out of the depression, just thanking the Lord for his goodness, for his faithfulness. Uh, so the, the question that I kind of want to leave you with, at least from, from my perspective, the question I want to leave you with is uh, what are your priorities? What is, what is number one in your life? What is number two? In, what are your priorities in the season of your life? Where are you at? 
Um, because if, if, if the top priority is not Jesus, I think you need to have a little conversation, a little, a little prayer time, uh, or read the scriptures. Um, because like, truly, truly, I, 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 oh gosh, that sounds like Jesus. <laughs> truly, truly, I tell you. <laughs> um, but truly, I tell you, like, if Jesus is, is not number one, but you surrender that number one spot to him, the, the, the gospel means good news. Uh, and so the, the good news is when you surrender that number one spot to Jesus, the, the struggle you have today is the gospel, the good news that you get to preach tomorrow. And, and that's exactly what just happened to me today. The, the, the struggle that I had back about two years ago is a story that I get to share with you guys today. And that verse that I quoted, Isaiah 25, 8 verse, is still a verse that's on the background of my phone because it made such an impact on my life. Um, so that's, that's kind of my ending. Amen. Let me pray for us as we close in two counts. One, for those that are married in the room, online or on site, in the place of loneliness, that your gospel would just visit them, that we would visit the married people in the room, just as Paul is saying, with good news, with hope, with the belief that if, if God has set us out to do anything, that he has fully funded it with the gifts that are necessary, the gifts to raise children, the gifts for perseverance, the gifts for um, open-heartedness. And so in any way, Lord Jesus, for man or woman um, in this place or those that are gathered online, that we need to repent, as Paul is talking about, just to come back to your feet and to remember where we're from, that we have all we have and all we need in you, Lord Jesus, in our marriages, in Jesus' name. And so for those singles, uh, just praying for those that are gathered here and online for loneliness, for the, the place that um, longs um, for, for the gift of marriage, that it's a good thing and that it is good that um, we would just represent the gospel in that way, that you would, uh, one, prepare the hearts of singles in this place um, to make much of their marriage uh, in the future tense, but then also just in this time right now, um, I pray that, that in some way, just as Paul had testified, that you're going to do that again in hearts, even in this church, in deeper and wider ways to come back to your feet continually and find and realize the gift of singleness um, as you've talked about it in your gospel. And so, um, man, that we would just have an unrelenting pursuit both on both sides of that coin of married and singleness to be at your feet daily and continually and, and to recognize um, our lives as a gift, not the goal. And so that we would make much of you, Lord Jesus, that we'd lift you up and that the nations would come to you and that you would draw all men and women to yourself um, through whatever vehicle you would choose. And so we love you and trust you in all these things. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.